All right, First John chapter 2 and chapter 3. Uh, we're going to look at two verses tonight. First John chapter 2 and verse 29 uh, through First John chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, but before we get into the message, uh, just as a review of our last message in the series on 1 John, we noticed uh, the truth and a lie that John brings up in his epistle, uh, and we noticed our strategy against the uh, our strategy that we need to implement in the face of Antichrist. And the first thing that we noticed was the lie that was attacking the church in John's time. Of course, that was the heresy of the Gnostics. They were teaching that Jesus was not the Son of God. And so uh, John was refuting that. Of course, we know from Scripture that Jesus, He is the Son of God, that He's God come down in the flesh. He was fully God and fully man. The Gnostics, they rejected that. Uh, but uh, John, he wanted to remind the church of that truth. And of course, we need to be uh, reminded of that as well. And in the face of uh, Antichrist, we should, as we saw, our, our strategy is not to accommodate uh, those false teachings. We should not uh, put up with uh, teachings that deny the deity of Christ. Uh, and then we looked at the truth that John wanted to reassure the church of. Of course, that is that Jesus, he is the Son of God, that he is fully man, he is fully God. Uh, and those who believe that, those who, who believe that truth, they are saved. Uh, they, they have the gift of eternal life. Um, and, of course, we saw it through Christ that we are saved. Uh, and another blessing of believing that truth and holding on to that truth is that there's no shame uh, for the believer who, who holds on to that truth and, and stays faithful uh, to it. Um, and so if we do not want to be ashamed, we need to know the truth, we need to be bold to stand up for the truth, uh, and we should not accommodate false uh, teaching in our life. Uh, and in order to do that, we need to, to know the truth so that we can uh, refute those ideas that are against the truth. So that was last uh, week. Tonight we're going to continue by looking at the idea of being children of God. And if you've been saved, you are God's child. Uh, but what does it mean to be a child of God? Uh, you know, it sounds nice. We say we're a child of God, but what does that mean? What does that include? What does that involve to be a child of God? And uh, we should understand what it means to be a child uh, of God, and we should understand what our response ought to be. There's this false idea in the world that every single person uh, is a child of God. It's true that every person is created in the image of God. We are all a product of God's creation, of God's uh, genius. Uh, and we all ultimately, every person ultimately belongs to God. Every person will one day stand before Christ. They will bow before Him. They will acknowledge Him as King and as Lord. Uh, but those who do not believe in Christ, those who are not saved, they are not 
children of God in the sense that John refers to in this passage. Those who are born again, they are born into the family of God. And if you've been saved, the Bible says we've been adopted into God's family. We become his children. We become joint heirs with Christ. And so that's, uh, that's what John deals with in this section. He deals with the idea of sonship, of being, uh, being a child uh, of God and belonging to his family. Uh, John, he deals with the nature of this relationship. He deals with the source of it. Uh, he deals with the mystery of it. Uh, and also some tests of sonship. And so tonight, if, we, if you are in God's family, which uh, you know, I hope everyone here has been saved, we can be encouraged knowing that we belong to God's family, that we are his child. And so let's go ahead and read First uh, John chapter 2, uh, verse 29 through chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity uh, that we have to worship you, to look at your word. I ask God that you would just uh, be with us tonight, help us to put aside distractions, and God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts through the message. Lord, I pray that you would um, help, us, uh, help us to see the privilege and the blessing that we have being your children, and help us not to take that for granted. God, I ask that you'd help me now to be emptied of self and to be filled with your spirit. And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to notice is the test of sonship that John brings up here. Verse 29, we see the test of sonship. It says, if, if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And John, of course, he spent a good portion of this letter so far dealing with the righteousness of Christ. We've looked at how John wrote that God is light and him is no darkness at all. We've looked at the idea of how God is uh, eternal. He is the beginning of everything. We, we saw how eternal life comes from him. Uh, we saw how God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so we've been looking at this idea that Christ is righteous. And there's an expectation that John writes about, there's an expectation for the believer to be righteous as well, to grow in that righteousness. And that's why John, he spent a portion of the first chapter and all of chapter 2 dealing with um, some of the responsibilities that we have as Christians to be righteous and to obey uh, the Lord. We've, we've looked at how we ought to love the brethren. We've looked at how we need to walk in the light. We've looked at how we need to, um, we need to resist those who are anti-Christ. We've looked at uh, our, our responsibility to walk, to walk in light, to keep the commandments, to avoid sin. Uh, all of that we've looked at so that we can have fellowship with the Father. Again, John is writing this epistle to the early church so that their joy could be full. 
and their joy would be full if they were in fellowship with the Father, and they were in fellowship if they were living righteously as Christ did. So what is the test of sonship? What is the test to see, uh, to see if we or someone belong to Christ or not? John tells us that uh, we know, if we know that Christ is righteous, and we know that Christ is righteous, then it stands to reason that those who do righteousness are born of Him. That's what he writes. And notice, he does not write that those who are born of him do righteousness. He says, those who are righteous, uh, he writes, if, if we know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness uh, is born of him. And that's because there are plenty of people who say that they are born again, who say that they are saved, but they are not living as if they are saved. They are not living in obedience to Christ. Uh, those who are doing righteousness are born of Him. It's an evidence of salvation, in other words. Uh, in other words, those who are saved, it will be evidenced by their obedience to Christ. It will show in their actions. It will show in their attitude and in their heart. Uh, and it's also important to clarify what kind of righteousness John is writing about. Uh, he's not just talking about being a good person. There are plenty of people in the world who are good and who do good things. Uh, the kind of righteousness that John is writing about is living to reflect the life and the character of Christ. Uh, this righteousness is doing what Christ would do, thinking what Christ would, would think, and going where Christ would go. This kind of righteousness is being is us being more and more conformed to His image day by day. Often, this world's idea of good is in contrast of Christ's idea of good. And so, our test of sonship, it can be boiled down to this question, uh, am, I being, uh, am, I, am I becoming more like Christ each day? If I say I'm saved, I'll, I'll grow in my walk with Christ. I'll become more and more like Him. That's the process of sanctification. Uh, and so tonight we should ask ourselves, uh, you know, we just came into a new year. Can we look back on 2021 and see how we've grown closer to the Lord? Or do we look back on our life and say we've drifted even farther from the Lord and from our walk with Him? Uh, and so the test of sonship is, are, are we growing? Are we like Christ? Are we doing righteousness? The nature of sonship is the second thing we see here. The nature. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons, the sons of God. This chapter, it opens up with the command to behold. It uh, means to perceive to fix our eyes on something and to see it with attention. In other words, John is saying here that we should stop and we need to really think about the, this next truth. And what is that truth? It's that if we are saved, we are sons and daughters of God. We are children of God. And John wants the church to, to stop and to really consider this idea, to consider the, the reality, the impact that they are uh, children of God. And so what is the nature of our sonship? What does it mean to be a son or a daughter of God? Uh, there's a couple of senses in, in which we, we see this. First is that there's a legal sense in which we are children of God. When we got saved, the Bible says we were adopted 
into God's family. We've become children of God, legally speaking. All the benefits that belong to God's children. If you're saved, they belong to you. Not because we've earned those benefits. Uh, we don't save ourselves. We have those benefits given to us because uh, God gave them to us. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. At the moment of salvation, we were adopted into God's family. We became joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says. In Romans 8, 17, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So when we got saved, we became joint heirs with Christ of the blessings of God. Uh, and this, again, it's a blessing reserved for those who are saved. This blessing does not belong to those who are unsaved, but those who have been born again. And so the legal sense of our sonship, it emphasizes our external relationship with God. Be because we are children of God, there are things that we do. If we are saved, we, we love the brethren, as we've seen. If we're saved, we walk in the light. If we're saved, we obey the Lord. We keep his commandments. Uh, in, in other words, this legal sense of our sonship, it can be seen um, in, in, our, in our walk, in our action, in the things that we do. We are known as children of God. Uh, so there's the legal sense, but it goes deeper than that. And we are children of God in a familial sense. Our, our relationship, uh, it's not just external. It's not just the things that we do. That's a part of it. But if we're saved, uh, our, our relationship is its our very nature. The Bible says if we've been saved, we're made into a, a new creature. Uh, and we're completely transformed. So it's not just our, our actions. It's not just the outward. But if we're saved internally... Uh, our hearts, our mind change as well. Salvation, it's not just an external change of behavior because there are plenty of people, again, who do good and who do good things. But salvation, it's an inward change of the heart. Uh, it's a complete transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do we look more like Christ than we did uh, a year ago. Not just outwardly, but also internally, in our, in our heart. Do, uh, are our thoughts the same? Or do we think more like Christ would think? Uh, are our reactions the same? Uh, or do we react as Christ would react? Do, are we quickly angered? And are we quickly controlled by uh, bitterness or greed or envy? When we're born again, our hearts change. And those things change as well. It might be a, a process of growing. It might be a process of, of learning and of uh, moving away from those things. But if we've been saved, not just our external actions change, but our, our internal, uh, our heart, our thoughts, our attitude, our emotions, uh, they become more like Christ. Uh, I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of saying, uh, it's just the way I am, and so I, I, this is what I do. I have a bad temper because that's just the way that I am. I struggle with jealousy because that's just the way that I am. 
But if we've been saved, uh, the, the, the transforming power of the gospel, it is enough to change that part of us as well. Our personality is not greater than the gospel of Christ. He can help us in those areas of our life if we would yield to His Spirit. He can help us with our anger. He can help us with our jealousy. He can help us with our bitterness. But we need to be yielded to Him. And those parts of us can change. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through, 1 through 7, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, it says, Paul is writing here, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, uh, in other words, uh, when we, before we were saved, we were, uh, we were controlled by our flesh externally, but also internally. Uh, if we keep reading, it says, And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And so the nature of our sonship, it's a legal one, it's also a familial one. It's not just an action change, but if we've been saved, it's a lifestyle change. It's a change that takes place internally and externally. Uh, and as believers, we need to be yielded to God's Spirit day by day. And He helps us to become more like uh, His Son. And so we see the source of, uh, or we see the nature of our sonship. Number three, we see the source of our sonship. In verse 1 again, he, uh, John writes, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. He writes that it's... it's uh, by the love of God, that we have been called the sons of God. It's not any works that we do. It's not based on our family line. It's not based uh, where we were born or how we grew up. Salvation is made uh, freely available to all through the love of God alone. He makes it available to every person who will put their faith in Christ. And if God had never decided to show us his love. We, we would not be able to earn it. Uh, God gave us His Son. He gave us His love. Uh, and so the source of our sonship is His love. And we need to acknowledge that. Uh, imagine if we would take time daily to consider the source of our relationship. God, He, he gave us that love. We didn't deserve it, uh, but He first loved us. We'll get to that in chapter 4, but in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, uh, John writes, uh, we, we love Him because He first loved us. When we were enemies of God, He, he gave us His, his Son uh, so that we could be saved. And so we should not be so arrogant to think that we somehow earn God's love or uh, that we receive it because of anything that we've done, but God gave it out of love. 
we only have the love of God because he makes it available to us. One way that we show we don't appreciate the love of God is sometimes we can fall uh, to the trap of serving, serving others because it makes us feel good. Uh, serving God because of the attention that we get. Uh, we don't serve God, we don't serve others because it makes us feel good or look good. We, of course, serve God and we serve others because we love God. Uh, and and uh, so our service should be born out of a love for Him. Not to draw attention to us, but to point others to Christ. And so the love of God, it's our source of sonship, and it should be the motivation for our service to Him as well. So we see the source, and finally, I want us to look at the mystery of sonship. The mystery of sonship. Look at the last portion of verse 1. He writes, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. John writes to the church that the world doesn't know them, the world doesn't understand them, because the world does not know Christ. The world does not have this kind of uh, life-altering relationship with Christ. The world does not understand the righteousness of Christ. It cannot unless it is saved. And so the Christian is, uh, of course, entirely different and unique from those who are not born again. The Bible writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been called out of the darkness of the world into uh, the light of Christ. But the world is still in darkness. It's, it's blind to the nature of sonship. It does not understand what it means to be a Christian. Just one example of this is uh, often the world gets upset at uh, the Christian who stands up for righteousness. Uh, there, there are certain sins in, in Scripture that we know are wrong, that the world might say are good and are acceptable. And when the Christian denounces that, when the Christian stands up uh, and, and says that it is wrong or we should not do this, the world looks and, and mocks and doesn't understand that. Uh, they, they do not understand what it means to be uh, a Christian. And so when we are living in the sonship and, and fellowship of, of Christ, we might be mocked. We might be misunderstood by the world. Uh, but that is okay because we are children of God. And we can be encouraged knowing that we belong to Him. The world, it doesn't understand why somebody might cross the world to preach the gospel to people they do not know. The world doesn't understand why somebody would go to church and, and give their money to a church. The world doesn't understand why a person would give up their weekend to worship God. It doesn't understand why somebody would read the, the same book day after day and still find joy in it. The world it doesn't understand why somebody would love their enemies. It doesn't understand why somebody would uh, seek revenge for wrongdoing against them. Uh, even though we may be mocked and laughed or misunderstood for being different, for being uh, a Christian, uh, that is okay because we do not need the uh, we do not need the acceptance of the world. We belong to Christ. We belong to God, and we are His child. And so we don't need the acceptance of that person who hates 
God, we have the acceptance of our Father. Uh, of course, we love those individuals. We pray for them. We witness to them. We share the gospel with them so that they too can become a child of God. Uh, but we do not change simply because the world misunderstands or mocks us. We stay true and faithful to our Heavenly Father. And that's the mystery of sonship. It's uh, understood by us, but it might not be understood by the world. Tonight, the question is, are you a child of God? Uh, if, it's, if not, it's never too late. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Op ado uh, adoption into God's family, it's available to any who will put their faith in Christ. Uh, and for those of us who are saved, we ought to behold that reality. We ought to understand that we are God's child, and then we should grow in that relationship with Him. We should be able to look back on our life and say that God has helped me uh, to grow closer to His Son. Do, do we pass the test of sonship? Do we do righteousness? Do we obey the Lord? Uh, do, do we realize the nature of our sonship? That it's not just an external relationship, but it's an internal change. Uh, it's a transformation. Do we acknowledge the source of our sonship? It's not anything we do, but we are God's child because He first loved us. Uh, and do we understand the mystery? We might not be understood by the world, but we have a Heavenly Father who loves us, and uh, he, is the, uh, he is the only one uh, that we should seek to serve and follow in our life. And so tonight, uh, we see if we've been saved, we're children of God. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day that you've given us, and I uh, thank you for this reality that if we are saved, 